Welcome back to another episode of Hey Hey NWA. This is our second attempt at an intro because Zach messed up the edit, the recording process. You know, we all make mistakes sometimes. It's completely uh, fine. Poe buddy's nerfect. Um, <laughs> You're obnoxious. Uh, so today on the show, we got to talk to Marty Shutter, uh, marketing manager extraordinaire of Ozark Beer Company, amongst many other things. Uh, Peyton and I actually got to attend one of these events that Marty coordinated and oh my goodness, was it a blast. I was going to say lit, but you know, I don't want <laughs> to exclude anybody that doesn't know what lit means. Um, yeah, so they provided, uh, for this Live Forward 7-9 event, just contextualize it, it was basically a networking kind of event for uh, kind of 20 to 30-somethings just trying to get to know each other and, and really have a good time in Northwest Arkansas. And so, completely free event. Um, and by completely free, you get two free beers from Ozark beer when you're there and they have a great selection. So this is, this event is one of the best events, um, along with free food. And I wish I would have known that I wouldn't have eaten before, but absolutely great event. And we actually got to, uh, socialize in their, uh, in their brew space and which is actually just where they typically have customers yeah, hang out. Yeah. So it's a very, um, what you see is what you get, but in the best way. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so Marty was a really great interview and a really fascinating guy. Hang out for the end of the interview because uh, he has some plot twists about him. I've got to say, like if if anybody wears the most hats, that's got to be Marty. Like that's... No, no person can own as many hats he just <laughs> as wears, Marty wears. And he wears them all on top of each other. Oh, that's incredible. Um, so everything uh, from marketing to photography, which he talks about. But then also, sneak peek, he did an illustration for a children's book. And uh, he, also, sneak peek, records albums literally like crazy just for himself, just and, for fun. And we gave away the whole ending. There it is. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to listen to the rest <laughs> of the show. Um, so, yeah, hang out and listen to all of it because he uh, he's a fascinating guy with some fascinating interest in the best way. So enjoy the interview, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Swear warning. Hey listeners, what you just heard was our swear warning followed by an awesome electronic beat. The point of this swear warning is to be a courtesy to you guys, just in case you have any kiddos running around listening to the podcast as well. Today on the swear warning, Zach, what do we have? We have one offense of the S word. Okay. We have one offense of a plural usage of the A word. Okay. And we have our good old dear friend, H-E double hockey sticks. Okay. Well, with those in mind, I think we can carry through the interview. Welcome to Hey Hey NWA. We're here with Marty of Ozark Beer Company. Uh, could you, Marty, could you tell us a little bit about your role at Ozark Beer Company? Sure. Um, I currently I manage our marketing and our tap room mm-hmm. and our merchandise and kind of like we see that marketing as being many of those things, but also as events. So I manage our events and 
the biggest way we do events is usually through charities that we mm-hmm. find like near and dear to our hearts. And so I am very much a charity outreach organizer as much as I am, you know, scheduling in the tap room and um, creating our, you know, our, our content, like on social media and then another marketing, you know, attempts. Yeah. We've got a great, I've got a great assistant who helps me. We've got a great team who just, who we have slight specialties, but at Ozark, we're still small enough that uh, most of us wear mini hats. So, okay. like, you know, three years ago when we were founded, four people were wearing every single hat. Hmm. Now it's about 20 people wearing most of the hats. Okay. So, so for example, um, Jose, who works for us in the tap room and does a stellar job, also is a fantastic delivery driver. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Got some session IP in me. And he, oh. um, you know, and he'll work on the canning line. And so he's valuable to both the production side and the taproom side. For example, Jesse, who works for me, is extremely helpful in like making events really efficient mm-hmm. so we can do more of them. And uh, But she's also taking over some more managing the taproom. And so as we grow, uh, people wear less hats and they specialize a little more. And so I'm kind of in a place right now where they hired me to manage marketing through mm-hmm. series of photo shoots and then like uh, some videos that they would hold on to. Um, and then sort of put out over about a year. Mm-hmm. And we did those two uh, contracts. And somewhere in there, they they asked me to manage the tap room. And I had some background in it. And so, uh, absolutely. Uh, and then that became, well, can we manage merchandise in there? Yeah, we can do the merchandise, sure. Well, what's and so as we began to like sort of create our, the way we wanted to market, to market ourselves, they, Lacey and Andy had always had the idea for the brand and what they wanted the function of the brewery to be as a community place. But... Um, what we worked on together really successfully was how do we convey that? And so for us, it's very much matched up with our, our, our business model, which is a slow, deliberate, steady growth. So we don't make costly mistakes. So we make long-term relationships. So um, we develop brands and products that actually resonate with people and are not you know, the product of a, a marketing session. You know, mm-hmm. So our 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 model of growing slow and being very mindful of um, our place in our community and our desire for that to be very long-term, that models what our marketing is. So our marketing doesn't look like we need to take over or want to take over a market or we want to do much at once. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us a lot of freedom to not go traditionally and you know blast across traditional ways. And so how right. do we do it? We, we decided, well, like... Let's go down the list. Let's go through the brewery. What's important to you? Who do you work for already? What charity are you into? What, mm-hmm. what, where do you spend your time outside of work? How can we tie that in here? Mm-hmm. And so my job has really become to manage our marketing. And one of the biggest parts of our marketing is events. And one of the probably the most successful way we do events is with a handful of really dedicated charities. Mm-hmm. And when I say charities, I mean more like individuals who... Need Don't beer? Know. No, <laughs> that would that that we get all day. That we get all day. Okay. <laughs> we we get people ask that all day, and so we've had to just come up with you know polite ways of. Actually, that's really what's solidified us to working with more, um, working more in depth with a fewer amount of charities mm-hmm. instead of working shallow with dozens of charities throughout the year. What we found is that the organizational level, promotional, you know, value, the um, execution of their events, you know, are not always up to uh, the standards of, you know, <laughs> a high school kid. So, like, we find that, like, by working with 
the few that have proven to us that like, hey, they can organize a great event while we can host or we can um, help you organize with our abilities and our contacts and you can, you know, you can reach out to your groups. So by whittling down to fewer but with deeper impact, we've actually, it's forced us away from saying, you know, to, to try to satisfy every request, which we have found to be futile. And we've been much more intentional in how we choose where our, our you know, our sort of charitable arm goes. And mm-hmm. again, like I said we see that as a part of our marketing, but only because it's just a part of like our business strategy, which is to be here forever, to be here forever. We got to be a part of the community, to be a part of the community. It has to be meaningful. So mm-hmm. what are you into? <laughs> you know? So speaking of those charities, which uh, I guess, could you name names? What, what charities are sure. you guys passionate about? Um, like right now? Uh, this right here, Ping Pong for Paws. This is our next event. This is a, um, a tournament for the Humane Society of Animals and Rogers. Mm-hmm. It came to us uh, by two friends of the brewery. And that's usually how this works because we, mm-hmm. we find a lot, a lot of times people will approach us with events that maybe benefit a cause, but they're, they're, they're so impermanent and they're based mm-hmm. around the event. You know what I mean? And everything kind of dissolves after the event. And there's really, it looks good on paper. You know, it feel, just, feels yeah. good, but yeah. it's not it's not sustainable, and it's probably not going to happen next year. Yeah. So what we found is there's a lot of people who, for example, Sean who runs this, Sean or who organizes. I mean, look at this. This is this is the these businesses on this banner here. That's like everybody in you know 40 miles. It's insane. Yeah. So he goes personally to them, and he, you know, works with them to come in and help sponsor and promote. They'll raise. Last year they raised seven point three thousand dollars in about five hours in here. One hundred percent of that goes to Humane Society. Wow! No operating costs. <laughs> They're not trying to cover the cost of water or the person who's running yep. the door or security. So we found that working with people like that who are really only in it because it's what warms their heart. Yeah. Like you're not gonna. It just becomes a very pleasant business transaction actually because they benefit from our ability to give them space to yes give them donation through you know money back through the beer but it's it's very much logistics promotion space tax insurance the shelter and mm. you know uh to free them up to go to each one of these businesses and to create um you know to have 52 man teams like to actually manage that so when they manage that and then they manage a silent auction all of these people are donating things to a silent auction with values that sometimes go up to a couple thousand dollars mm-hmm. so with them focusing their energy on that and then us focusing on, okay, what's the insurance policy? What's the permits we got to take out? What uh, do I need security that day? Which has been once. Like, um, <laughs> that seems I mean? like a story. So we, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. So, but we, so we, it, so it dovetails really nicely. So yeah. we, instead of having like to go back to that business model of growth, instead of having to hit the gas and try to take over a whole market, we go segment by segment. So for mm-hmm. example, uh, this, this will bring in, There'll be 300 people here during the day. We will make money on beer, that's for sure. We're going to pay our staff and we're going to make a little cash. But where we benefit is we will meet two, 300 people that may not even know about the brewery who then become our customers in a sort of lockstep time, you know, with our pace of growth. Instead of, you know what I mean? So we take people on in slow ways. The charity benefits immediately from a cash infusion of seven you know, and a half thousand dollars. They benefit immediately from awareness <clears throat> and an event, but then they meet our people. So in our promotions, we bring in people that are now lifelong sustainers in them. And so that's 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 one charity. We work with uh, Apple Seeds in Fayetteville. We've just um, come up with a year-round agreement to, to help them. And uh, some of them are very much beer-based, but mm-hmm. the way we... We, not nothing is beer centric. So the way we approach these are, let's use the beer 
or let's why don't you use the beer to make money in terms so what i mean by that is you might you might have a charity dinner you might have a dinner to get your fundraisers uh, in. so you're going to have a local chef who's going to donate uh, his time and his labor and his crew you're going to have a farmer that's going to give the produce you're going to have another farmer that's going to give the chickens you're going to have the coffee place given the, the the beans um you're going to have the ice cream place given the ice cream and you're going to have um the shelter down here give some volunteers to run logistics so you're work running on sort of a cost you know negative anything you know <laughs> event and and so the one part of our help is saying yeah we can donate beer to that party legally we can donate to a 501c3 mm-hmm. and so that is one way and so what we try to do is we try to offer logistical support like i said promotional support like we really we want to give we want apple seeds to do stuff here they they want to grow out of fayetteville and they want to affect more children in you know rogers bentonville springdale and they need those they need those dollars to keep their program going so they need an entry point into that market well, we like meeting more people in Fayetteville, so we bring them up. So it, yeah. So now the charity reaches out. There are literally more kids coming to learn about how to garden and taking those skills home and creating gardens in their home because we threw a party to drink <laughs> beer. <laughs> so, so like, so like, really within within like two steps, it's not intangible and it's very clear. You can have an impact in a three-hour party that has like generational effects and so we hope to like that's that's our model which is fascinating that local business and um, partnerships local can just become this very organic organism that just spreads so far that's 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 one of the coolest part about coolest parts about local business in my opinion just it works if you it works it works if you don't if you want to be local and we're, we're not saying we want to be local at the exclusion of growth. We, we have beer in Little Rock. We will have more beer across the state of Arkansas in the, in the next few years. Like, that's what we want to do. Does that mean that, you know, does our, does that mean Arkansas is local? Yeah, it means Arkansas is local. But it also means, like, we're not going to not do something in Arkansas and not call it local. <laughs> you know what I mean? For us, yeah. we'll, we'll just see the picture is a little larger for us because we want to stay in the state. And if we if we were trying to go, if it made sense for us, or if we needed to make money by selling beer in Nashville, or nothing against Nashville, you know, <laughs> like, but if we needed to, if if we if if our if our current position relied on needing an increase in production that didn't match what we were naturally increasing, well, then we couldn't do that model. Like we, you couldn't do that model that works with and benefits the community because it doesn't match your time frame. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you have to do things like we're gonna get, we're gonna take this capital infusion. We're gonna you know we're gonna go into this town. We're gonna have four events a night. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna get in every liquor store. We're gonna have branded signs that go across the streets <laughs> and fireworks shows and skywriting airplanes <laughs> and everyone's gonna buy our beer. And it's like yeah, that gives you a bump. You know that might work for a day. But if your model really is to just create a business that sustains yours and other people's livelihoods, then there really is no need to look outside your community. And that doesn't mean that like a small community store can't sustain itself by becoming a web store and all of a sudden like integrating into the worldwide economy. Like literally, I was working on the e-commerce side when you came in. Like, but for businesses like us, where it doesn't make sense for us to build projections on selling beer in Japan. (laughs) You know, it only makes sense for us to see, well, what's sustainable, what's Mm long-term, and that always dovetails with your community. So it really just depends on what your, what your, where your heart's at in terms of your business. Not necessarily where you want growth. Everybody wants growth. Right. 
But what what is sort of your end game at the end of the day? Hmm. Is it growth or is it sustainability? And for us, I mean, it's less anxious to be <laughs> trying <laughs> like trying to satisfy the growth monster than it is the sustainability monster. Because you know what? If everything around you is kind of growing as we are, sustainability is growth. And so, that's a good point. And so that's that's where we're at. And that's hmm. why it just makes sense. And I have great bosses who let me come up with this and say, you know, and they don't have any interest in buying newspaper ads. Nothing against newspaper. I have a journalism degree. But like, <laughs> we, we, you know, they, they kind of, they believe in this approach too. And it's, it's paying dividends, I think. So how have they empowered you? Um, you mentioned this at the beginning. They, they wanted you, uh, Lacey and Andy, they wanted you to uh, really just bring your talents and your passions to work. So could you dig a, a little bit more into that? I guess sure. maybe for um, the other the other employees of yeah. Ozark. How do they empower? Yeah. The, and the one way they, they do it that I don't see in a lot of places, and I've worked on a lot of places where I worked for, you know, an established chain of command has been around for a long time, and I've mm-hmm. worked freelance for a lot of people, and I've been on both sides of the management and employee relationship. And one thing I see they do, and they do consistently well, and it's got to be better for your heart than micromanaging, is they they hire people who they're competent in. It's slower, it takes more time, and it takes some vetting. But they do that so there's not micromanaging. There is, there's, it's very easy, and I try to take this into the employees who work for me now, and it's, what have I asked you to do? Now, do I, do I want to trust you? Do I want to hire people that I trust to do that thing and bring me results that I can talk to? Or do I need to question their processes and methods the whole time? Because what is that doing? That's just taken from my time into their time. I'm not seeing their final product, and I'm not trusting in their work, so why would I hire them? Hmm. So one thing that Andy and Lacey do really well and deliberately is to hire people who do their thing and have them do their thing well and give them the freedom to do it. That is so important, Like, hmm. is trusting pe- the people you hire. And ultimately, you're trusting yourself to make the right decision, <laughs> but it's not easy because, you know, you see numbers maybe more often than you see like the you know the leaky tire, and so and so it's hey this guy who works on things in general spotted that tire and fixed it why because we pay him well and we incentivize him to do his job generally well instead of waiting for me to say hey can you fix that tire and wipe this thing and fold those boxes and you know it's like no oh, I've given you management of this world get it done and if, if not we'll talk about it and figure that out so I think they're one of their greatest strengths that I've noticed just in this company and is really giving the people they hire the freedom to do what they hired them to do. It frees them up to do really great things. It frees Andy up to be, I mean, one of the best brewers that I can think of. <laughs> like, And it frees uh, Lacey to be, like, one of the most even-headed, kind, and, like, you know, fair-minded bosses of a very fast and growing business and a mm-hmm. very fastly growing industry. Like, the I've, I've, I've seen a lot of you know, swing and sway in other breweries here in other states. And I think we, we, we put on a decent face, but we definitely have some of that behind the scenes. But Lisa, you know, is so good at that being her world. So I think that would be one thing. I mean, another thing is they're, uh, they're very understanding. Like, I think they have, a lot of people have experience, you know, but not mm-hmm. everybody draws from it responsibly. And they have a lot of experience um, in very different capacities, both academic, but like roughing it in the wild, um, working on big, massive commercial crews, tiny, small, um, you know, crews out towards Eureka. Like they've worked in so many capacities in so many different locations. They bring all that experience here, yeah. and and a, 
I think I think that really they 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 draw from their experience. You know what I mean? It's a bit, very much a part of how they manage. And how long did they, I guess, prep for this job <laughs> um, before? For, for well, for a while. So like, they had met only ten years before this place opened, or longer than that. Mm-hmm. Wow, maybe, maybe even longer. Like they <clears throat> worked for quite some time as river guides on Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in there, Andy worked for um, uh, Devil's ooh, Great Divide. Great Divide is, oh, uh, is a brewery out there. So yes. he, you know, he worked in some packaging there, and so he gained some production, some, some production experience on mm-hmm. a large scale operation. Which, you know, we we can hire people all day that are qualified and skilled, but it's, we don't have we just don't have the pool around here mm-hmm. of people who have had you know long commercial experience in brewing. You know, I mean, there's yep. a lot of that. So he gained some experience from that. Lacey, uh, biology teacher, uh, they ended up going to Chicago for a while. Uh, in Chicago, he started brewing for Goose Island after he'd studied at the American Brewers Guild Academy in Vermont. Um, started brewing for Goose Island, and then they they wanted to open a brewery. They went to South America for a while, and in South America, they decided when we come back to the United States, we want to we want to open a brewery. So we want to do, and they looked at what was available to them um, in terms of like you know, where their families are. You know, Lacey's family's here. Andy's was in Iowa. Um, where are they familiar friends and stuff Chicago and Colorado um, but then they started getting deeper into the metrics which are like well where what are the markets like in these places yeah. um, what is the maturity of the market for the product I want to make which is beer Colorado has been making craft beer for a while it's gonna be a little harder to crack in start paying people and paying your bills than where it's a dry county wow. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's gonna be like <laughs> so those things started coming into factor and I think a lot of it had to do too with you know Lacey's family's here and mm. she got an amazing family they got a farm right up the road she grew up here in Rogers mm. so all those things all those factors and then you have this county was going wet at the time it was a dry county before yeah. they opened and you have a, a you know a, a decent economy or a great economy that's you know going a little bit faster each year and you know uh, you have a national trend with a wind at your back. And so you have – every wind was at their back when they looked at Arkansas, including the legal framework for new breweries here. The laws were actually fairly friendly comparing to some of the surrounding states. Mm. So that was kind of the background. And they wanted to – they wanted to create a living for themselves, and they wanted to do it with something they loved that combined, you know, science, art, community, um, and – big part of that was beer for them especially you with Andy having worked at Goose and he worked there at a really great time it was they were going from what had become a very large microbrewery mm-hmm. and so they had large-scale commercial practices procedures um, just equipment training um, and just policies it was run mm-hmm. like a large business before AB Buffett and so they had a lot of the brewers there were in this in-between where they were in a corporate culture or a company culture that was of the younger smaller rebellious mind with the gear of a much larger facility. Mm. So they started experimenting and they came up with some of the beers that are you know, so famous today. And Andy was a big part of that. And so you look at that time, that small three to four window year of people that had the perfect combination of great equipment and freedom. Mm. And they, they've all started their own breweries now. Andy really, I think, was inspired by a lot of his friends who've started some of the most popular breweries around. So speaking of those beers, um, so could you talk a little bit about just the beers in particular, just which, I guess, which beers came first and um, which ones would you consider your most popular beers? Um, And well, real fast comment, like 
you guys are very predominant in Northwest Arkansas. I feel like everywhere I go that has tap, like you guys are on it. Yeah. And so, which goes more into your local business model of playing the long game. Yeah. Um, so I think you're doing well. <laughs> so I uh, van carries a lot of it right there. That, um, yeah, for context, that is a very long van next to us. Um, holds a lot of beer, most likely. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a workhorse. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, talk a little bit about the beers. And so we brew, we brew ales, we brew traditional styles, um, and very much in line with a lot of the uh, modern American craft beer and the, the artist artistry behind it, which is taking old familiar styles with familiar components like familiar ingredients and then brewing it in a regionally relevant way and for us that's what ozark beer is it's like taking older styles doing the american twist to it or whatever makes sense to us and then and we always you know we're, we won't we will never claim to nail it right in the center every time it's always somewhere closer to the traditional or it's closer to the new you know, and that's that's what's fun is we get to kind of make that up as we go along. So we keep we see ourselves as a brewery that we want we want we want you to buy good beer that's made by people you know close to you that is fresh and quality, high quality, but consistent every single time at a good price. So that's our that's that's what keeps our lights on. We do some small batches that'll bring people in from far who want to try the small batches and who like some of that, and that's what really keeps us exploring and keeps us excited. And the other half of staying excited is brewing, brewing beer that people have come come to really identify with in you know very very close ways. And so our our main our main styles are our main business model: our American Pale Ale, our Belgian Golden, our Cream Stout, our Coffee Stout, and our IPA are our five major beers. We can our American Pale Ale, and we can our Cream Stout, and we can our Belgian Golden, and. We can those three first because they're mostly pretty different from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the APA getting its flavor mostly from hops. Uh, it's a lower body, lower ABV beer. It's brewed mm-hmm. with some rye. It's got a little American rye. It's got a little spice to it. Um, the Belgian getting a lot of its flavor from the yeast and the malt. A little higher alcohol content pairs with some different kind of foods. Mm-hmm. And then the cream stout, of course, being really dark, rich, and creamy. Those are kind of three different worlds. And we'll be filling that in with more cans over the next few years. And so to the question of what's the most popular, we always find it depends on where you're at. So like um, certain markets or certain places we see our Belgian Golden sell our pale ale three to one. Here, we'll see the opposite. Here, our pale ale will outsell a lot of our beer but it also depends there is a bit of that seasonal aspect of it which is really great about this is we do see an increase in cream stout when it gets cold people Mm. like a dark Mm. rich thick you know and ours isn't thick but they like a dark rich beer Mm -hmm. uh, when it gets good and cold out they want to have something by the fireside Mm. some of those beers tend to be higher abv we do a couple of those Um, so our our main beers aren't so much focused on being popular for their exclusivity, but at f- more popular for just their reliability. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we're after. That is what allows us to do other things like our double IPA or our BDCS, which is our bourbon barrel aged double cream stout that's aging on the other side of the van there. Mm-hmm. Um, those those are some of our most popular beers. They, they've completely transformed how we see our own business mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Like we, we have a great, great group of like customers in Rogers. We have a great group of customers in Benton County and Washington County and Arkansas at large. And 
I know people in all those markets because they will they will email me when's this coming out, or I'll email them, hey, I'm going to be in your town. You kind of do a tap takeover at your store, you know? Like it's a really cool relationship. But the, a couple of those beers start bringing in people from far. Really? <laughs> so like yeah, and so like with our bourbon barrel aged double cream stout, we we'll sell ninety tickets in ninety seconds, you know, online. We'll sell. We'll have a line of 120 people to the street. We got to rent a porta potty the next day. We get a van and a taco what? truck. What? People, we have to do a one case <laughs> limit. Like we have to, you know. And it's it's like we're super honored, but we're also it's like we didn't think we didn't know that was going to happen. Wow. <laughs> like that happens to it happens to some breweries, and we're like I said, super honored. And but it can be overwhelming. So you, when yeah. you look at popularity, you look in Arkansas, people really like our pale ale, our IPA, our cream stout, our Belgian. Like you hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the people who like our, our bigger barrel beers and some of our more like smaller releases like you're drinking there, the Hey Duke. Um, but that's when you start seeing it outside of the, 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 the state so much or the country where you get an email from a, a craft beer bar in Japan. Oh, my like, gosh. What, well, I, can I pay you for a case of this? And I'm like, oh, wow. I can't ship it. <laughs> you know? A, I can't ship it. B, I don't have enough of it. You know, C, like, we want to share it, <laughs> you know, like. So that the BDCS, our Bourbon Barrel Aged Double Cream Stout, is probably nationally our most popular beer. I guess that's what keeps keeps me up at night a lot this time of year, trying to make <laughs> sure that we do our fans justice and we have a good party for them, but we don't run out. Because if you don't put a limit on it, you will have somebody from Texas call you and say, "What's your volume?" And you say, 30 barrels." And they say, "I'll buy them all." And you'll say, "Well, that's." <laughs> It's like well, then so nobody else gets it. But you will, you will have one guy, one or two, who will just they ask right out, "What's your volume?" And it's like, "Are you serious?" Like, you really don't want anybody else to drink it. And so, like most of the people that come to those things are amazing. And so we get they they will bring beer bottles. We'll do bottle shares where they go to someone's house and they brought in. 40 beers from around the country and they sit around and they all share them and they explain where they got them from and people will compare tasting notes and so it's become its own thing like I have to get a porta potty I get a I get a taco truck I, I hire a band for the next day like the night before we've got I got a jazz band in here a coffee roaster an ice cream maker a sausage smoker and then uh, four brewers and then 120 people and that's incredible 10 employees and the whole place is lit with candles like so we really use the beer as an occasion to like um I don't know to bring bring some some cultural events you know to our to our customers. Wow! So, yeah. And how does how does word spread about that? Is it literally just word of mouth? And no, it's mostly man. It's a lot of it really is online. Like, um, but what's cool is like, is it? It's not good enough anymore to just hear something's good, and it's easy enough for a lot of people to share it. So we don't we can't ship beer. We don't ship beer. We don't have. We don't sell it. Drop a beer outside of Arkansas, hmm. but a lot of people trade beer. It's become very popular in this country. So um, it's a lot of like gray areas. We don't like I said. We don't do it as a business, and I don't really do it as a person. But like a lot of people do, and it's it's become a really great way to you know try because it is such a hyper regional, hyper hyper local industry that sometimes you have people who build their businesses a lot like us who have no dreams, desires, or intentions to go outside their states. So that means the beer doesn't go there, and you know, I don't travel to Connecticut every week. So, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe there's a beer that I've been hearing there about a lot. You know, maybe they've been hearing about this pale ale from Ozark Beer Company, right? So the people here would share it, send two cans there, they'd send two cans. So that's been happening a lot. Okay. Um, it's online. There are there are too many 
beer reviewers, but there are beer reviewers out there. Uh, some hold legitimate, and a lot hold just random sway. Somebody has um, like on tap on their phone, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. And so there's all these like sort of like external factors. But what I really truly love, and I mean this, like as an artist, what I really love about this business is, and this is true, it's so democratic when it comes to the taste, like. It can have hubris. It can have hype. It can have slick packaging. It can have great videos. It can have everything. But because of all those people who have these reviewing interests and trading interests, if it doesn't taste good, it doesn't hold up. It's got its own economy. It's wild. And so, like, as much as it frustrates us sometimes when somebody says, I want to buy a four-pack of that so I can trade it for four beers of this, it's like, oh, we want you to drink it, A, but it's also quite flattering because, you know, that beer is helping to set a value somewhere and, mm -hmm. like... And it, it is reaffirming that you're brewing a good product, you know. And so, at the end of the day, it's it's so hard to it's so hard to because it's hard to like manage that because a lot of people get it. You know, you make a small amount, we're gonna there is a small amount. You know, some yeah. people who see that from afar and they're used to every other business model that they see and they're like, well, if X sells, why not just sell X times whatever you can handle? You know, and it's like, well, to do that requires an investment that we can't handle if we want to do it right. And so, like, I heard a great analogy. It's like, you can double a bread recipe, but it doesn't, or you can double the ingredients, but you can't just double the recipe. And so, like, we could, you know, technically, you could get the money, you could just, the tank space, and you could do it. But it's like, when you go, when you take a product like that, and that does take so much time, so much care, so much attention, and you expand it that rapidly, there's more things that you don't know that could go wrong than you do. Like, you plan for the mitigation of what you know could go wrong, mm -hmm. but in something in such a rapid expansion, you're going to be met with challenges you weren't expecting. And at that speed, there's going to be so many, they're overwhelming and cost ineffective. Again, slow growth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're scared to death. That's why. <laughs> We're scared to death of stubbing our toes. But I guess just um, just being limited in that respect, that does gain, yeah, that that does give you popularity and hype and all those things. And so, no, it does. It, I mean, I would never deny that it doesn't go hand in hand. Right. Like when we set the limit, I hear about it for weeks. <laughs> you know, I get texts from people I don't know, and like, and I, and it's truly a function of our size, like it, mm. and what's available to us, like. We, yes, we would brew more of that particular beer and our double IPA, but part of the allure of that product, just by default, is that it is a smaller batch. Yeah. And then you add the fact that it it's one of the most amazing liquids you've ever put in your body. Like, uh, you add to that, like, the general national appeal over barrel-aged beers. So it's like, a, there's a lot of wins at its back, too, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, But it just makes me wonder, just you know, the future, you know, you guys have only existed for three years. Is that right? So then, wow, I'm just curious what this looks like in 10 years. Like that's, so <laughs> that's must be just, you're just on a crazy train. Yeah. Okay. Must be. Oh, but like we, we are, we, they had a, at least Andy had a five year plan before myself okay. or, and a few people before we were hired. And I came on, I don't remember if it's the fourth month or the sixth month, but it was like four or five months into the, into the gig. And I remember a lot of talk of this like five-year plan and like like the five-year plan was to outgrow this current space to have about six to seven fermenters and a couple bright tanks which is where you clarify beer so you can ferment more um, and I think that was the plan I think the plan was to have about three beers in cans and to have about 150 accounts in the area and look at Benton and Washington County and say 
what will it take? And I think at about year two, we realized, crap, we're technically at year four in terms of like <laughs> the demand and what we've done around that. Like, it's like we are satisfying 200 accounts. We, we have nine takes instead of six. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, two bright takes. We have a, a, an expanded, we got a, a better hot liquor tank, which is a hot water tank, so we can, you know, brew faster um, or brew more. And so we were looking around and we said, we are, we're, f- we're at, I mean, this was Lacey and Andy and Jefferson too. Jefferson Baldwin's the third, Jefferson Ford Baldwin. You got to say the Ford. Uh, I do. But the three <laughs> of them, they, they knew pretty quickly that like, to sustain what they had created, they needed to go a little bit further, I think. And even though what they created was always already twice what they were expecting. And that was still three years before they were expecting to be there. So here you are three years before your, you're, you're three years ahead of your plan at twice your projected volume. And so you're looking around and you do not see space for another tank. There's no more space to store cans. Our tap room leaks. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like our parking lot is like, the service of the moon uh and so we we started looking for property and looking for buildings and that mm-hmm. took about a year uh and we found a spot in downtown rogers so the future for us is moving we're literally looking at the new tables and chairs which are old german beer hall tables from germany from like 40 years old really? uh yeah they're these really cool they're made out of like austrian cedar or something it's, it's so cool but we bought an old historic building downtown it was the original flour mill was built in the 1880s and then there's a 10,000 square foot like modern warehouse on the side so we're moving our production there over the next two months we're framing out offices right now we built a new bar today um we're breaking up some windows we're expanding bathrooms to meet codes like mm-hmm. so we're moving and we are going to see what it takes to meet arkansas demand and that's so that's where we're at next like we think we say no more than we do yes and that's getting old and I think and what that means is like when somebody calls and says you know I have a, I have a new business I'm part of this new economy I've got six beer taps I want three of them to be Ozark and to say well get in line we don't have enough beer you know like there's the economy is growing faster than our production the demand is growing faster than our production so I think our new space will be able to see what it takes to meet that and to really get comfortable in Arkansas and and produce a solid lineup because I think before we do anything else we, we will get our solid lineup of year-round beers in cans mm-hmm. and really uh, we're really humming on seasonals right now we're putting out we're really exploring so once we get that once we've gotten we had gotten that production down real comfortably and it's gotten it's not doesn't mean it doesn't take hours of work all day by mm-hmm. really talented and dedicated people uh, and our brewers are Brant Bishop Jesse Ganyon and Andy Coates one of the owners and they bust their asses here like to Mm -hmm. make beer for thousands of people and uh and they i mean think about that like you say you see our taps but we're in something like 200 accounts up here and there's thousands of people drinking product made by three people now that's brewed by three people but it's a you know it's a business of 20 or so it takes it takes four people to clean those lines to make sure the beer is consistent each time. It takes mm-hmm. two to three people to deliver that beer to make sure that it gets there on time when we say it'll be there so they don't drop us if we don't show up with a keg of beer. Absolutely. It takes two or three people to make sure that 200 of those accounts got checks coming in with signatures, invoice numbers, and check numbers. Like It takes, you know, their deposits go back. It takes, you know, a business manager to make sure that 
we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it takes it takes me and my team to say, hey, what's happened in the brew house? How do we communicate that? What about that is interesting to our followers? Like, what what do we want to say? Okay, how are we going to say that? Are we going to say that through a video? Are we going to say that through photography? Are we going to say it through an event? How are we going to combine these? Do we say that through a partnership? Okay, who do we partner with? So it takes all of us doing that for sure. And so I always say, like, you know, you look at a can, I was like, beer, you see... A can of beer, but you see tw- 20 jobs in there, people who live very close to you, that sit next to you in traffic, who spend their <laughs> paycheck in your economy. And then that brings you back around to knowing your neighbors, kind of looking around and recognizing um, we are part of this broader community, yes. Yes. Um, and it makes a difference when we can share a story. Yes. As a journalist, uh, yeah. you understand that. it's We know that we can make an impact with just with with beer, with beer yeah. you know um, which is fascinating and also I think kind of a nice metaphor to be like you know this is what it takes like yeah it's for all these people in that glass that it's benefiting all these people outside of the glass absolutely yeah, yeah yeah it's a really like cool product I mean I don't get excited about products but like <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a really cool like industry f- for that reason yeah mm-hmm. uh, we get to we say this a lot. It's like we get to make it up as we go along, and like, you know, hey, can we hang this thing here? Why not? Does it look good? Sure, you know, like, yeah. hey, can we call this beer? Can we theme this beer after the '90s? Can we really like license a picture of Arsenio? Yeah, why not? Like, <laughs> like Arsenio Wall. Like, that's funny. Right. Let's do it. it you know, it, if it has intention, like, you know, uh-huh. like why if it means something to you, like, and it can it, and it makes sense, then we we have so much freedom to do that. Yeah, and then it's proof more so that when you produce a good product, whatever that product is, um, and you're willing to take risks, uh, when you're willing to know your neighbors, when you're willing to be a part of your community, you can make a different like you can make a difference with a ping pong tournament a ping pong like, tournament and we and we are serious this is a we use a shitty ping pong table and like we we just I, one yes we do all of this around one it's like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirty forty fifteen sixteen seventeen seventeen times two 34. i mean it's but really there was yeah like i said it's about right so there's 34 teams and you know it's teams of two so mm-hmm. yeah no i mean like yeah this is this is an amazing event and we i mean we're wow. gonna raise you know 12 15,000 with a, uh, we work with a preschool uh, and we do an event for once a year. A beer company just, <laughs> partners with a preschool. For sure. Like, and it's a Christian preschool on top of that. Water oh. and wine, man. Like, <laughs> Wow, there it is. No, there there's no is. reason that because they're Christian they shouldn't be down for it. But sometimes in the South people like line out their taboos it seems like. And it's like, here's one, here's two. Wow, we got three in one. <laughs> like, but it's, but I mean, in a context where you have some of that rhetoric like, to say like beer can be good oh like absolutely like yeah that's like we we are so serious that we say we do we do community events charity events and beer events we do not do drinking events like we we sell a product that brings people together that people and our goal behind brewing the beer is in fact andy this question that he always asks when we're sampling a new beer is would you drink another and that is meant to get at not is it something you like it is and not do you like the hops or do you like the color not it's not trying to it's trying to get you away from thinking piece by piece but to think about the overall experience so he'll say would you have another so you don't think about it piece by piece you think how's the experience how's a good beer it was clean it was it was balanced it was flavorful it you know nothing was off and i'll have another one of those so that's how we 
make our money is by doing good beer that's consistent and that people will have another one of. And uh, I mean, that's yeah, that's definitely our philosophy when it comes to how we do it. Which goes back to, I guess, your motto is hard work. What's the second half of it? It's honest hard, beer. Hard work, honest beer. Yeah. Um, and Lacey came up with that, and mm-hmm. that's a really simple way of saying exactly what it's like what it means yeah. like it's what it means and very scientifically or volumetrically like our brew house i was telling you about the 20 barrel brew house or the 15 barrel brew house and 15 barrels means it holds 15 barrels worth of beer and a barrel beer wise is uh about a little over 30 gallons and so we have a 15 barrel brew house which means that we can brew that volume amount of beer at a time our tanks where we ferment that beer are 30 barrels a piece meaning they volumetrically are twice the size of our brew kettle. So what does that mean? That means when we open the business, we spend less money on the infrastructure, but we get more product. The in-between is hard work. Like if you brew twice to fill one vessel, you're getting more out of the machinery, but you're the one putting that in. And so Andy and Lacey, that's I, that's where that came from. And it, it came from, I, I mean, we haven't talked about this too much, but I'm pretty sure they've got like a pact in their head where it's like, we are going to just work 100 50 million hours a week for X amount of years until we, you know, can begin to work like normal people. And that's what the hard work on his beer comes from. Yeah. Like, you know, Andy was probably here at 4 o'clock this morning. He left not long before y'all got here. Yeah. So. And for him to then look around and see, like, this work pays off. Yes. Like, this work not only pays off when we talk about do we make more than we spend, are we in right. the black, <laughs> it pays off in terms of I look around and I see Marty who can make a living at this, but then also be a storyteller and bring people along in this thing that's going on. And um, when you see hard work pays off, not in just what goes in my wallet, but what goes on around me. Yeah, very well said. Um, Hard work like takes on like a, we are doing yes. this together and this is like a mission and very like, much let's yeah. but it's very well balanced too i will mm-hmm. say like i've seen places that arbitrarily wear a hard work mantra i've worked at a lot of construction sites and mm-hmm. what in and not on all of them but what you end, is, end up seeing is this unspoken i'm working harder than you i'm working harder than you you know even if you're going to stay 30 minutes late doing nothing else man you're going to talk about that 30 minutes all day tomorrow you know like Mm -hmm. uh but in this case what what i think they balance really well and to go back to one of your questions about their management i think one thing that lacey jefferson and andy in managing the company balance really well is the hard work ethos but also a very real understanding that we want to have we want this to to keep us alive we don't want to live to keep this alive yeah and yeah. and so that manifests in hey your brother's in town like go, why are you here like this isn't a vacation day i'm not taking it out of your pay you need and like seriously how he was two weeks ago my brother came in town I hadn't been here in three years and andy was like what are you doing here <laughs> it's like it's like guys go, go you know and like and so they have a very real appreciation of um what it takes to live a, a to to be happy at okay they have a real appreciation that what it takes to be happy at work really means working outside of the mm-hmm. work on that you know you to bring a happy person to work you've got to have a you've got to have a happier life outside yeah, yeah. and you can't have a happier life outside if most of your life is work and Absolutely. they're very cognizant of that so it's very much hard work when you're working and when it's done get the hell out of here go <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah yeah so because so you come back stronger and you want to be here 
Yeah. So you're not always half half foot in the door, half foot out, because mm-hmm. then you're you're no good at either. Right. So. Absolutely. And it's just a more integrative way to live. Just hopefully, holistically, yeah. well-rounded. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. No, I agree. I mean, like, when implemented, I should say. Because no. I'm not the best, like, at following that. Like, I'm going to go home tonight, and I shouldn't work, but I've got stuff in my head that I might work on. I could just hear Andy's like, ah, stop it. Drink a shot of whiskey. Play some drums. You know? <laughs> so. But I imagine that sort of workspace where you guys respond not it's more than respect it's like you appreciate each other enough to say like go spend time with your family that's important hat and then also on top of that like the hard work has to be a some sort of like man there's not anybody in the world like in my mind if that was my work environment there is nobody in the world that i'd rather be around than the people that I work with because there's yeah. this like shared spirit for sure and like community going on yeah. all at the same time where we really dig in our heels when we're at work like we work hard but then we also like play hard yeah. um, and we I don't know just interact well um, because we understand that Marty's another human being he's not like a workhorse <laughs> right. you know he has a heart and a spirit about him, and when that's healthy and he can bring that to work, he can l- observe the space and say, yeah. like, this is what needs to happen here, or that, you know, this is the direction we need to go with the social media or whatever that is. Um, yeah, that's just... Well, it's not good enough to, like, just... It's not just... It's not good enough to, like, just understand, like, what's going on in their lives. Like, because... A, a, an employee very often, and I am this employee sometimes, if you don't know or sense your bounds and what's expected of you, you will work too much. You will overwork trying to satisfy an assumed goal. Right. And that's not a very satisfying place because you're not quite sure, not that you need to be like, you know, hey, congratulations for turning in this two-page thing, but you need to know that where, what your work is doing, you need to know how it fits into the larger piece. Yes. Yeah. So part of that is not just recognizing your employees need time off, but is setting those boundaries in some degree to be like, hmm. like, this is what I expect from you. You know, if, if you feel like you're going outside of that or you need to go outside of that to get this done, let's, let's have that conversation. So you're right. not like spending energy all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, and it all comes back to our growth model. Like, I mean, again, like, if we were in a hurry, if we saw this boom in craft beer as just a money tree to shake, that would manifest in so many ways that would just rip, tear us apart. Right. And so by trying to have the opposite of philosophy of like, how do we just do it right? <laughs> how do we just do right by the people who keep our lights on? Yeah. Well, that really takes a lot of the burden off you to do it fast, to do it, you know, you don't have to invent like unnecessary workarounds you have to solve the problems that you that are truly in front of you and that i i mean that's got to be a better way to go about it yeah for your heart for your heart maybe not your investors and it's so (laughs) counter that sort of model seems so counterintuitive to you know an overtly capitalist society that says like you have to get all the cash while you can like a young brewery from around here um came to andy and they, this happens a lot. They'll, you know, hey, if I want to go to a larger scale, what they'll ask them, 
questions about larger commercial brewing because he has brewed on a large scale. Right. So it's like he's a really great resource and he's a really funny, very kind and super intelligent dude. And he's very giving of his time. So he's really great resource to people who want to want to like grow their craft. And I saw that and I've seen easily a dozen in the last three years breweries or upstart breweries from mostly from our area but from all around who will say hey, you know, can i can i get five minutes you know and like and he, he man he'll just shoot things down right 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 and let or shoot them up you're like you do this do that oh this is a great idea you know it's like oh i love that you're doing that this is brilliant and then people walk out of those conversations like so they feel either super affirmed that they're on the right path or they're like oh man i'm doing everything wrong right and that guy just told me about it but like i mean I guess I kind of forget one of the points of that, but um, what was the question? What were you saying? You answered it, whatever oh, it was. Cool. <laughs> no, it's good. Cool. No, um, no. Did you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Um, Marty, you're a musician. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I told you I'd bring that up. Yeah. Um, anyway, just talk about what you've been doing outside of the brewery. Uh, this weekend, I just finished recording the, um, the bulk of my 20th album, uh, full album uh, 20th yeah <laughs> i just <laughs> wanted to make sure i heard that right yeah, okay yeah okay no, I, wow. i've been recording for about 10 years now i do about an album every 10 months or so i never Gosh. i never put them out i never i i share them with friends and i'm working on some sort of long goal i like to play you know small solo shows i like to do stuff online i like to collaborate with other like artists and musicians mm -hmm. i don't always put my myself as marty shutter the musician in the front and I, I think that's just because i'm more working on a longer game it's i don't know why but it's what satisfies <laughs> me so i i, li I okay. love to work on like albums and the last album i just I actually was the quickest album i've ever written i started it in november and wrote <laughs> recorded it and mixed it as of this weekend oh my gosh it's like eight three months and i'm loving it <laughs> so like it's so i just finished that this weekend and i'm gonna i do i'm in the car car test stage where i'm it's on my Bluetooth through my phone. I'm listening uh -huh. to it in my car, and I'm like taking notes as I'm driving. I'm like, oh, base down on number four. Some know. people text and drive. You take notes <laughs> yeah, on your music. I, I feel like a dick, but I no, I, I, I won't. I won't. I only do that really to stop sign. But no, that that's where I'm, <laughs> that's where I'm at with that. Uh, I, yeah, just producing a lot, doing a working on a song a week challenge right now. Wow. I know this, this guy asked me to do it, and I do. I try to do about a song a month, but this like really freed me up to kind of get silly again like um <laughs> kind of return to some of what was really fun for me writing songs which is doing it kind of quickly like in a like in a more of a reaction to an emotion than um an intellectual approach to love <laughs> or an argument for love right, <laughs> you know like my yeah. friend i have one of my best friends is one of the most talented musicians chris you're out there he he will say i mean i think he even has a, a song lyric it's like an argument for love and he, he's a very successful trial lawyer <laughs> like but he's a great songwriter oh my too. goodness he's like, a great songwriter but he's like i mean dude's like the kind of guy who goes after like the korean banks that defaulted on layman brothers like he's the guy who chases down a korean bank good owner, grief like gets him to gets him to a deposition in la to pay up and then he goes home and writes cowboy songs oh my goodness <laughs> yeah i worked on a really cool project with him a few years ago uh the family of neil cassidy had uh, I can't remember if it was an ATN it was a documentary or, or a PBS documentary I think about uh, Neil Cassidy and he was uh, Chris was asked to score it and to score this documentary about like one of the greatest beat poets you know and like just the figure of like beat literature and, man, he's a great songwriter C.P. Carrington look him up man that's a lot of 
That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Involved with. Um, so can you tell us where to find uh, your music? Um, and then also any sort of, you mentioned that you do photography mm-hmm. uh, before we turned on the mic. Um, yeah. If you, any of that, um, kind of promote yourself for a second. <laughs> Take the time to no, tell I'm, us about Well, honestly, I've really sidestepped out of freelance work. As, okay. I've, as I've gone full time with Ozark over the last three years, mm-hmm. so like you can search my name, Marty Shutter. Like I go under Shutter's pictures for a lot of my photographs and video. Oh, wow. I do a lot of yeah. Shutter, yeah, that's it very cheesy. It just worked. <laughs> it <fits. laughs> that's, that's my name. Right. It just worked, and so Shutter's pictures, like uh, that's the name. And then uh, my band is Runners Talk Running. We got a Runners Facebook Talk page. Running, and, and you can find them on Facebook. Facebook yeah, cool. it's. I mean, we're we're a small. So it's. I take Runners Talk Running sort of will pop up where I live. And so I have, uh, <laughs> I have I had a great runner's talk running in Chicago and I have a great runner's talk running here okay. in Northwest Arkansas. Um, Just wherever yeah. Marty Shutter is. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Runner's talk running. Yeah, awesome. it'll, it'll go from a solo show to like a really like fleshed out rock show. So keep um, your ears peeled, people. Please, yeah. yeah. yeah cool sure. deal. And then... And if we're... you want to check out the children's book we just put out too, you can check Wait, out... Wait, hold on. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too, too That's much. really what I want to plug. Oh is my the, gosh! Is the children's book from Runner's Talk Run? No, no, it's is from it? it's from another buddy. Of mine. Oh, it's, it's another called, person. Yes, it's called okay. Explorations of Al- Alphabet Kingdom, and it's the epic story of the alphabet. Every letter is a character, and was I, it? I, I illustrated it. It's beautiful. You illustrated. <laughs> yeah, no, so, my illustrations are very childish. But was it like, tested on the Christian preschool? Uh, oh, that's a good point. We just published it, so <laughs> I should get him a couple copies. <laughs> Uh, and then, if people want to keep up with Ozark beer, yeah, that's what we're talking. About. Yeah, uh, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I forgot for a second. Oh, uh, yeah, man. no, that's a good problem to have. I would follow us. Uh, uh, it depends. Like, so I mean, our social media, uh, our Facebook is really good for like events, um, both that we're having or that we're attending or that we support. Uh, our mm. Instagram is a great place for what we're working on beer wise. We okay. really focus on like quality photographs of what we're doing beer wise and then some other stuff every now and then but it's probably 80 percent beer and then our twitter is just kind of kind of recycle, recycle what the other ones are saying and gotcha um and then we have a website which was constantly being slowly upgraded and i was working on it when you came in it's just yeah. ozarkbeercompany.com okay so all spelled out ozarkbeercompany.com mm-hmm. all spelled out well northwest arkansas this has been hey hey nwa with Marty Shutter, musician, illustrator, <laughs> marketing manager, king of Ozark Beer Company. What Zar, am I it's, missing? I think it's Czar officially. Czar. <laughs> uh, Jester? What, what else am I missing? What else has he been involved in? Uh, Storybook, like illustrator. We're not going to go there. So, anyway. Thank you so much, Marty, yeah, for you're being very on. I super appreciate it. So, Thank you very much. Yeah. We're shaking hands for you. <laughs> Thank for you. you at home. It's a handshaking. Yeah. So you're here. <laughs> We'll be seeing you guys soon. Cool. Marty Shutter, what what a what a punk, you know? <laughs> how how dare he just blindside us with very incredible conversation and talent and I don't know. Like how dare he? That's yeah. all I have to say. My yeah, and especially it's like Oh, we have an hour to have a conversation. And he waits till like the last five minutes to be like, oh, by the way, I'm the coolest man. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to share any of this information with you on the front end. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was a great uh, time that we had with him. Um, you heard him mention the uh, Ping Pong for Paws event. Mm. Um, so that event has actually already happened. It happened last weekend. Um, Two weekends ago? 
Two weekends ago. It happened two weekends ago. Mm -hmm. So that event happened two weekends ago. um, And their final tally for that event was they raised $22,000 for the Humane Society. With ping pong. With ping pong. ping pong and beer. No big deal. I, I don't even know how you do that. That makes... Wow, that's a it, miracle. To me, it just goes to show that if you do the thing that you do and do it really well, as you're thoughtful towards the community you're involved in, you can make a difference. And yeah. so if that's brewing, do beer really well and uh, you can make a big impact. And it's super interesting because you, you typically have this idea of local and that local is just you know pretty unsuccessful and can't compete and... Um, you know, it's really hard to, hard to thrive as a local business, which is, I mean, it's true, but at the same time, um, you have stories like this of just massive success, um, based on the network of local, you know, you, Mm -hmm. that's, you just don't hear that a lot. You always hear how, um, bigger businesses wipe out local, but in this situation, you know, local is powerful. Yeah. And what Marty describes is just a powerful local network, which is incredible. And one that is thoughtful of what can we do to give back to that community? Absolutely. Whether that's preschools or the, man, that was so cool. Um, whether it's preschools or it's um, dogs or it's, you know, whatever, or it's 20 and 30 year olds who just want to hang out network and have two free beers. Um, yeah. Eat popcorn, but yeah, <laughs> it was, a it was a great talking to him. Yeah. You can, you can catch him at Ozark beer. I mean, he, he works the tap room sometimes. So, um, walk in and ask for Marty, see if he's there. Um, if Marty's not there, ask for his phone number. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, hunt that man down. Hunt him down. <laughs> Make him write an album about you, <laughs> about the stalker that Marty Shutter had that one time. Like Eminem. Like Eminem. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Anyway, uh, maybe not. What a way to end. <laughs> what a way to end a podcast. Um, it's okay. This the le- reference will be lost on a good amount of people. Excellent. We'll see. Very good. We'll see. We're so old. We know old Eminem music. Don't call us old. We're we're in our <laughs> lower 20s. Come on. I like the air of secrecy. I would like to think that everybody thinks we're much older than that. <laughs> well, we're maybe- 55-year-old men who went to a networking <laughs> event for 20 and 30-year-olds. Yeah, we're we're spying. So, um Anyway, I don't know how to end this right now. I don't know either. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys have a good week, and we will see you next time. See you later.